Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today we've got a great story of pulling one over on an investor, but first a story from EGGGGGG. Don't send you any small contracts? Got it. This was several years ago when I was working as an installs coordinator for a department store. If you wanted work done, anything from installing a toilet to building a garage, you'd come to me. I'd give you a quick estimate, and if you were on board after that, send a contractor out to your site to do exact measurements, if needed. Then I would work out your exact material and labor costs from there, quote you out, and keep in loop with the contractor, mostly so I could help work out anything that might delay the work. Contractors are paid a set rate, usually per unit, foot, or square foot. They also get a flat $50 for the initial site visit, whether or not the customer goes through with the project. I occasionally get calls from frustrated tradesmen who felt that these $50 visits were a waste of their time. But since those visits typically took under an hour, including travel, and I was making $3 over minimum wage, I couldn't drum up a whole lot of sympathy for these complaints. Most of our contractors came in two categories. Bigger companies that generally had a liaison who wanted to keep their business partners happy, and individual tradesmen or father and son businesses where the person I spoke to on the phone would be the one doing the work. I was fortunate enough to be trained by my predecessor, who remained at the store but had stepped down to take a less stressful position, so I could go to him for advice, and more importantly, he helped me build quickly a rapport with the people I worked with. This would become important, because I had a wide discretion in how I divided up the jobs, but many of our partners were fairly specialized or simply preferred certain kinds of work, a fact that our systems weren't set up to accommodate. Officially, I was meant to rotate through lists. I used this plumber last time, so used that one this time, etc. There was no metric in place to track that I was doing that, however, nor any interest in enforcing it. As a result, I could send more work to people I knew were in a bad financial spot, skip somebody who I knew was planning a vacation or had a sick worker, etc. Maybe a couple of months into the job, I got a phone call from a bigger construction company on my list turning down a site measure I'd sent them to fence a yard. I pulled this file up on screen for the call, as I want to do, and realized that he had kicked back the last three jobs I'd sent to him. He demanded I stop sending me these chicken poop little jobs. I'm not interested in anything under a hundred grand. His file listed him for fences, decks, garages, etc. But there was nothing in his contract about a minimum job size, and I'd have been surprised if there was. So I just told him, sure, and ended the phone call. Then put a note on his file not to use the company. The price of lumber doubled that summer, and the combination of four refused site measures in a row, along with not doing any work for us, in over a certain number of months, automatically ended his preferred contractor status with us, meaning he was paying more for materials. He paid close enough attention to his business to stop work he didn't like from coming in, but never noticed that his materials cost went through the roof overnight. 
I know the company had a rough couple of years after that. As far as I know, they're still in business. But I hope that dude mellowed out a little bit in how he talks to the people who help put work across his desk. We were never a big slice of his income, but I like to hope my small malicious compliance helped just put a little more of a squeeze on him. I mean, I get where this boss is coming from. I think when you're working a job like that where you do contracts, you want everyone to come across your desk to be this big $100,000 job. But not everyone is, and I would freeze the dude out too. If you were dispatching these jobs and somebody acted like this and said, only send me the big money jobs, you'd want to freeze them out too, wouldn't you? Let me know in the comments. Our next story is from ULFR. You really want to see the last pictures I took? Yesterday, I had a rather unfortunate appointment to see a gastroenterologist about a little problem I've been having. The appointment went about as well as one could expect such a thing go, with the relevant outcomes being they had no idea what's wrong with me, but I can probably fix it by getting more fiber. I was told to turn my head and cough, and the very last photo I'd taken with my phone was evidence of why I'd been willing to endure such an ordeal in the first place. Today, however, I was given a list of things to grab from the convenience store, including a request for a slushie from a very picky type of person. If you don't get exactly what they specified, you're wrong and a terrible person for not following directions. So I roll up into the convenience store, and there's a relatively attractive female actually filling a cup when I realize the flavor picky pants wanted isn't present. So I kind of sigh and take my phone out, point it at the floor, and text the person for what they like instead of what they wanted. Girl doing the filling starts getting huffy and demands to know if I just took a picture of her. I assure her I did no such thing, promise. She doesn't believe me and demands to see what's on my phone, which happens to be wailing and lamentations about blue raspberry not being available, and I guess grape will do. Given that piece of evidence, Most rational humans would have apologized and moved on with their lives. This girl? She wanted problems, not peace. She wants to know what the last picture I took was. I tell her that's not a very good idea, and have a nice day, and go to collect the other stuff in my list of goodies to grab. As I'm waiting in line to pay for my only slightly acceptable slushie and other snacks, I'm accosted by the girl from before and the manager whose face is a perfect expression of, I don't get paid enough for this crap. Manager says I'm under no obligation to show my gallery, but it would make everyone feel better if I did so. I ask manager if they're sure they want to see, and the manager's face clearly communicates, I really don't, but I like getting yelled at less than I like imposing on you. So I shrug and open up my gallery and show it to the both of them. The manager just gives me a hurt look and the girl turns a rather indelicate shade of green. The manager tells me to have a nice day and that I should probably get that checked out. I assure her that I'm way ahead of her. Girl doesn't say a word and just leaves, abandoning her slushy and whatever else she was there to purchase. They asked for it. I mean, I would probably just straight up walk out of there at that point. Even if I knew that I had a aftermath picture of a toilet on my gallery that would totally fry their minds upon seeing it, I think I'd rather just leave and maybe never come back to this location. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Dodohead974. Investor wants to buy my house way over market value? Sure, no problem. 
So I'll start by saying this story isn't mine, it's my parents next door neighbor of 20 years. My parents and their neighbor bought homes in an up and coming part of Florida 20 years ago. Talking half acre lots with 2500 square foot homes for like $130,000. Our neighbor's home was a little smaller than my parents. No pool and over the 20 years, the only thing they did to the house was a new roof. Nothing else had been changed. Everything was still the original. Appliances, paint, AC unit, cabinets, tile, and carpet. I wish I could say she took care of it and never needed to change those things, but that wasn't the case. Our neighbor's house looks 20 years old. Well, she's a widow, and the house is huge for just her. So she decided to sell and take advantage of the market. She listed it for $400,000. Despite her never having put a penny into it, The house goes on a bidding war, and the top bidder's an investor from California. She offers to pay $30,000 over asking, pay the closing costs, and can do it same day. Cue malicious compliance. The investor woman had two stipulations. Take the house off the market immediately, and she turns over the key to her management company with the cash for the home held in escrow until the key was turned over, and our neighbor's side of the paperwork done. Now, our neighbor was up front with this woman in the state of the home and asked if she wanted to have her management company come look at it first. The woman says, No, I'm renting the house and it doesn't need to be painted. Just pull it off the market. This woman essentially bought the home for about $450,000 when it was all said and done. So our neighbor immediately goes to the management company office with her realtor, signs her paperwork, hands over the key, and gets the check for the home. A few days later, our neighbor gets a call from Investor Lady. She is irate. The house is in disarray. In need of a paint job, ASAP, new appliances and flooring at the least. She demands that our neighbor paint the house. She won't take ownership of the home until that's done. To which our neighbor responds to her, It's not my home anymore. It was signed over to you and the check that was handed to me cleared. That house is no longer my problem. Enjoy. This story all came about because yesterday, my parents called our old neighbor. There was a for sale sign on the house again, and we were confused. Our old neighbor promptly showed up and told us the story, and we're all laughing hysterically because the woman's listed it for $430,000, which anyone with eyes to tour it would never pay. And even if she did get it, she'd be still losing a freak ton of money. Who doesn't love it when a greedy investor trying to inflate the market loses and loses big? To me, I think it's nice to hear about investors like this who just look to quickly move in, buy up a bunch of property and raise the price way up, falling right on their butt. Wasn't there like a whole thing with Zillow basically doing exactly that? They would have like their AI have a generated market price and would buy any house under a certain price and then just turn around and market way up? Our next story is from Truy Louie. Got scolded enough for asking, stupid question, I will not ask again. Several years ago, I worked in a print shop. We did large format printing. Think larger than billboards, for example, entire building faces, and high quality art prints. Basically, we were living in the niche the large companies did not want to bother with. Sometimes when a lot of work piled up, I helped out by sticking brackets on the back of the pictures on which they would hang on the wall, and subsequent packaging of the product. On the work card accompanying the job, the width and height of the picture were marked, but a certain salesperson often tended to mix this up. 
Not much of an issue if the motive is clear. You would just use common sense, but as I said, we also did art. And, well, you might assume a certain way is up, but that might not be what the artist intended. And sometimes the motive was totally abstract and you had no possible way of knowing. Even the width and height information, if correct, would not help you because you could easily flip the thing 180 and see no issue. Trust me, the artist would have issues. So you would pester the salesperson if what on the work card was correct. He did not like being pestered. Having had enough unpleasant back and forth with said salesperson, who, as an added bonus, was the big boss's son, and having witnessed even more unpleasanter backs and forths with the people doing this job regularly, I had a plan that just needed the salesperson to mess up and the picture to be just right. Oh, and as an added bonus, after sticking the brackets on, there was only packaging left, so the next eyes on the product would be the customers. Cue malicious compliance. You think we're stupid because we do a trivial job? I'll show you stupid. And following the work instructions exactly to the letter, I glued the brackets on so that a beautiful artsy picture of an English garden had the vegetation pointing sideways. Due to the particular brackets on this picture, the customer had the total freedom of having the trees pointing left or right. I don't judge your preferences. The only important part was to keep the work instructions somehow out of the trash until the package arrived at the customer. Sure enough, fuming customer calls big boss, fuming big boss calls salesperson, fuming salesperson calls me. I shrug. In the meantime, salesperson realizes his screw up and retroactively changes the work instructions to cover his butt. Yes, we were at the hide your screw up stage of rotten work culture at that point. Everyone stomps into the shop floor, where I just pulled out a slightly crumpled up work instruction that miraculously survived the weekly cleanup from under some stuff, which surprisingly contradicts the one salesperson is waving around. Big Boss's anger redirects and he has a private discussion with his son. You can quite clearly make out the key discussion points through the door. It didn't change anything in the work culture. I left the company and the company failed soon after. But we had a good laugh that day. I like to think that salesperson now has to work in a real job environment without daddy. I hope the customer was compensated for the trouble I put him through. It was worth it. Maybe this is why the bigger companies don't want to work in that niche. With the size of the orders and the complexity, maybe it's just too much trouble. And our final story of the day is from Wolfie Sammy. Don't want me in the kitchen? I won't be. I work at a restaurant where we have a counter and bar. This is where we make all of the milkshakes. We also do to-go orders through there as well, and people will come eat at the bar, and they always want the same experience they would have they sat at a table. Today it was super busy, I was making shakes constantly for about 2 hours and had a group sitting at the bar, their food was taking a bit because our kitchen was backed up. I finally got to a point where I had maybe one shake to make. A server definitely could have made them themselves, I didn't need to be up front, so I went to the back to figure out the food situation. Which is when my manager got mad that I wasn't making shakes. And even when I tried to explain, he was like, don't be back here if you have shakes on your screen. So that's what I did. If a customer ordered food, they'd just have to wait until a server could bring it out to them. I had shakes on my screen constantly. This led to complaints as the servers were busy, the tables were completely full. I didn't go back there once afterwards. 
and I just let my manager get mad that my orders weren't going out fast enough. I'm with OP on this one. If I was getting scolded for trying to, you know, make things work better than they are going right now, you know, improve the customer experience, personally, I'd be like, screw it. Okay, I'll just stay here and let the flames build up around everybody else. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another malicious compliance story that was crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.